Welcome back, y'all, to episode 123 of the Zachary Wingate podcast, where we go 365 days, bringing you a podcast every single day. Nothing is off the table. The intention of this podcast is to master the short-form podcast, bringing you information within a 15 to 20-minute time. So sit back, relax, and then listen, and enjoy the show. Welcome back, y'all, to a new bit I will be doing called The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, where I use this concept to help dissect as well absorb complex information. Today, we will be talking about the Brittany Grimer case. Today, December 8, 2022, Brittany Grimer was released from a Russian prison. Moments ago, standing together with her wife, Sherelle, uh, in the Oval Office, I spoke with Brittany Griner. She's safe. She's on a plane. She's on her way home. After months of being unjustly detained in Russia, held under intolerable circumstances, Brittany will soon be back in the arms of her loved ones, and, uh, and she should have been there all along. That's Joe Biden addressing... Uh, Brittany Graham is released today to the media and just announcing it and letting know that she'll be coming home um, from Russian prison today. She'd been in prison for the last 294 days. She was tried for having hashish vapor, which is an illegal offense within Russia, and tried for narco trafficking. So, um, obviously, what I wanted to get into the first part of it is the good. So, the good part about this case is really focusing on Brittany Grimer. So Brittany Grimer um, is a WNBA basketball player. She has a long, extensive career within the WNBA, two-time Olympic gold medalist, um, and you know, like longevity within her career, played for the Arizona team. She was found guilty on February 17th for having hashish oil in her luggage. The reason why she was going to Russia, she played for a team called UMCC, and She'd been playing for this team for the last two, since 2014. She was going back and forth within the WNBA, playing in both um, leagues. You know, within playing in both leagues, you know, she probably obtained about 100000 a year. Overall, you know, she's making six figures approximately. According to the Turkish Federation, she was making about $1.5 million playing for UMMC. Actually looked at the records, and you can tell, like, she's off the team because there was a 20-point discrepancy within the game. So that's kind of about Brittany Grimer and her career, why she was going to Russia. So if she's been there since 2014, obviously she understands the laws and what's going on. So it's very interesting that this time she was detained. Now, if you look at Russia, you know, there's about, they say that the use of marijuana is around 144 million people within Europe. It's one of the largest countries within Europe slash Asia. And this is, you know, marijuana is used quite frequently. So Brittany's Grimer's case is interesting. So with that also keeping in mind, you know, you look at those aspects of it. And it's really great she's able to go home and be able to be back with her family. You know, in, you know, the Biden administration wasted no time, obviously having her wife in the White House today, using it for a photo op within the Oval Office, meeting with the head of the State Department, as well as the vice president. So interesting, so good. So we're, we're happy that she has been able to 
you know, come back home and be with your family. That in itself is great. And there's nothing to take away from her. I do think what's strange about this case is she spent, since 2014, she's been in this Russian league playing basketball. So clearly she knew the laws. And I wouldn't be surprised if this isn't the first time she's done something like this. Now, it was like four to five grams. It was a small amount, but that is a, um, uh, you know, that is against the law within Russia. Okay. So that's kind of the good part about it. All right, so jumping into the bad. So the bad is really focused on how many potential prisoners there are still being had with, held within Russia. So if you look at it, you know, looking at probably one of the last times, it's really tough to say. You know, you just can't Google it, and Russia would have how many American citizens are being detained at the moment. But the number I was able to come with from the, the foreign minister of Russia, which gave a press conference back in July, said that there's only 17... Um, Americans being currently detained in Russia and his point then was to flip it and say there's a hundred Russians being detained within American prisons. So I wanted to bring it up because the second story being told as a result of this is Paul Wieland. Okay, so I want to talk about the bad because Paul Wieland was not released and I'll get more into you know, the, which brokered the deal and everything that went into it. But the first part about the bat is the fact that Paul Whelan was not involved in this um, discussion about potentially being released. Now, Paul Whelan was arrested back in 2008 um, within when a while he was in Russia. And he was arrested and detained because he was potentially, um, you know, he was charged for espionage being a spy. Um, you know, that he was spying on Russian materials and that as a result of this, he was put into a labor camp. Um, you know, I, I don't really know. I can't really determine if he was a spy. I know he was an ex-Marine. He has a very interesting background. He, you know, he was, he has U.S., Canadian, and um, U.K. multiple citizenships. So three Three different citizenships. I think he was actually born in Canada with British parents, and he was raised as a child within the United States. Um, you know, his military record indicated he was in the military for six years. He was a police officer. Um, you know, he worked in IT, potential management, security, things of those nature. So he was pretty shook today, indicating that he was not part of this deal. The White House indicated they, they couldn't broker the deal. They had to do one for one, and they couldn't negotiate him as a part of it. So he's currently still in prison. Don't really know when he's going to be released. You know, with Brittany Grimer being gone, it's probably going to be really tough for him. You know, and I think that's the bad part about it. I know at some point there was talks of him to be exchanged for Mira Butin, and I don't know if you guys, I don't know if I pronounced that name right, but I don't know if you remember her. She was the Russian lady who was hanging out with the NRA and doing all this stuff with um, the Republicans and the GDP party donating, and they eventually found out that she was a spy spying on them. So that, you know, the whole Russian U.S. spy, this is another chapter in it, and they were going to try to broker a deal to get him back, but that never worked. And, you know, it's hard to say, you know, but I think what's interesting is the fact that he's still there. And we don't really know what the outcome is going to be for him. So hopefully, 
moving forward, you know, thoughts and prayers go out to his family because it's definitely a very tough subject. You know, it's to be left behind, you know, and it's like crazy because you think about his military service, you think about everything he's done for the country, he was a police officer, you know, has like a very long career and, you know, they couldn't bring him into the deal, you know, and it's like there's nothing really indicating if he was a spy. You know, I couldn't really find any information that the Russian government was providing to give to give reason why, you know, it could be the three, you know, it's hard to say, but, you know, so that's kind of the bad part of this whole case. Okay, so now really breaking down what the ugly is. Now, the ugly in this is very ugly. I'm talking about so ugly, you don't even want to look at it. Um, so you're looking at the deal. So, you know, the deal kind of came in trying to get Brittany Grimes G back to the United States. Um, you know, she'd been in prison for 294 days. So you can obviously tell that this was happening. Joe Biden said she was wrongly arrested, but, you know, essentially... There was some laws in place for it. So I really want to get into this part. So I just really want to preface this that, you know, I do have a master's degree in international security. I've studied policy. I've worked in D.C. I've studied at think tanks. I've worked in a lot of different environments, you know, as a research assistant for a retired CIA agent to help individuals kind of create intelligence analysis going through confirmation and virus. So you want to preface that that you know when i give my opinion on this i do have some experience and knowledge into foreign policy and how things work because when i break this down um and i also have experience living in el salvador i was a school you know i worked at a school there and i learned a lot about the fmln which is another proxy war that was fought via usa and russia so i want to get into that before i break down this ugly okay so we're going to be talking about victor boot also known as the merchant of death Victor Boot is a well-known character, and you may not know about him, or you may most of you probably know about him if you've watched the movie back in 2008, which is Lord of War, which starred Nicolas Cage. Um, this movie was about an arms dealer. Well, that is roughly based off this individual. So when we look at Victor Boot, who was exchanged for Brittany Grimer, this is what we know about him, okay? He was sentenced to the minimum of 25 years so he could have served out a death penalty uh, the he could have potentially died in prison or his it, it could have been extended based on good behavior so at the minimum was 25 years and he was up in 60 years okay he was arrested which now he will be 55 years old it's believed that he was a part of russian intelligence um working with some aspects of the soviet union he was born in tajikistan in 1963 when it was a part of the soviet union going through there you know tajikistan borders with afghanistan um you know during the soviet union collapse tajikistan would become his own country you know and he's considered to be quite the linguist speaking french english portuguese arabic and persian um this really allowed him to build kind of this international empire as an arms dealer so if we're looking at his career so as the soviet union collapsed um, Mr. Boot was able to build his career based on selling arms and he would sell anything he could get his hands on. So in a lot of ways, he fed a lot of wars within Angola, within Africa, within Asia. You know, he was speaking languages 
interacting and selling guns. And you can think about some of the, the scenes from Nicolas Cage, Lord of War, where they're just out selling guns and he just kind of loses his mind. Well, you know, what's crazy is like before he came to Africa, he was, you know, a lot of, you know, if you look at the Angola Civil War, both sides were essentially using machetes. And he came in and sold both sides AK-47s. And he said, quote, if I don't do it, someone else will. So, you know, that's kind of his projection of the world. So he was selling multiple weapons to everybody. Now, the reason why he got, you know, and there's there's other things going on. You can look at you can look him up. You know, that's kind of like what he was known for. He was eventually busted in Thailand through the DEA. And I'm going to hold it. I'm going to go ahead and play a video from the DEA agent that was responsible for bringing him in and um, getting him arrested. Victor Boot, uh, in, in my eyes, um, is one of the most dangerous men on the face of the earth. On the face of the earth. Without a doubt. Mike Braun, the former chief of operations for the U.S. Drug Enforcement Administration, told us Boot first exploded on the scene in war-torn West Africa in the late 1980s. Elevating bloody conflicts from machetes and single-shot rifles to... AK-47s, not by the thousands, but by the tens of thousands. So he weaponizes civil war in Africa. He transformed these young adolescent warriors into uh, insidious, mindless, maniacally driven killing machines that operated with assembly line efficiencies. I mean, unreal. I mean, that is one heck of a way to explode onto the scene. But when you think about it, that's kind of what was the swap. All right. Victor Boot for Brittany Grimes. Now, now I'm like going to just tell you what originally he was arrested for through the DOJ. This is just for one incident, okay? So Victor Boot was arrested, or I guess essentially he was charged for the sales between 2007 to 2008, where he was selling the FARC, which the FARC was a movement within Colombia, um, potentially had ties to narcos, things that where it's a narcotic terrorist organization fighting the Colombian government. Um, this is a reason why the DEA would have potentially been involved because of those those natures, but there's been a long time war with the FARC. Um, so when you break it down, um, Victor Boot had sold roughly, you know, 800 surface-to-air missiles, 3,000 AK-47s, 10 million rounds of ammunition, five tons of C4 plastic explosives, and yes, even airplanes that had grenade launchers on them. So that's just to put in context. So now you look at all that information and this, he was just tried on this for what he sold for one year to the FARC. This isn't over his full career from 1990 to 2008 when he was detained. So to me, that really puts it into perspective about how much this guy really sold and you know, the for the FARC, this is a this could be an extension or is an extension of a proxy war. I brought that up in the beginning because, you know, South America has always been kind of this ground for the United States and Russia to fight proxy wars that happened in El Salvador, etc. Et so we're looking at a case where we potentially have a Russian operative selling arms to a radical movement within Colombia, a terrorist organization that DA's 
been fighting and trying to stop. All right, just put that into context. So now we look at it in this kind of weird, weird lens where, you know, it's like, I don't really know how to put it else. I'm just going to say this is we look at different arguments, obviously, within parties. And one area of power that the president usually has or always has that goes unchecked is um, foreign relations. You know, whenever we were setting up kind of the the original three checks, three balances of power, you know, there wasn't this whole emphasis on foreign relations, you know, because we didn't live in a globalist environment at that time. The first president to ever really go anywhere outside of the U.S. was Teddy Roosevelt. So that shows you there was a long period of time where we did have an isolationist policy. So as a result of that, within the last 50 years, it's given the president of the United States a lot of power to implement manipulate and as well as influence foreign policy. Now we look at this as a foreign policy case because of interactions between Russia and the United States to get Brittany Grimes back. Now what makes it really interesting from a national security standpoint, he was brought in by the DEA. Now we think about the countless hours of bringing him in, how much money was spent on bringing him in. We look at the taxpayers money of bringing him in and we put him in jail. And a lot of people are saying he would have been out in six years. No, no, no. He was up for, he was potentially able to get out in six years, you know, looking at his behavior, things like that. So they could have held him in longer and he's 55 years old. So, you know, the party that preaches anti-gun rhetoric, which I'm just saying to expose the hypocrisy of it, has now let in one of the worst war profiteering, um, a war profiteer, it probably in modern history, you know, and that's really what I want to put out there is this isn't just some guy who sold a couple guns. He's been doing this for 20 years. And we look at his track record and what he's able to do and the fact that he has all this extended background, you know, he's, he's, you know, Tajik, you know, potentially he's also, you know, he's of Ukraine descent. And it's really interesting because, you know, we're looking at it now and you're now sending the worst potential arms salesmen in the world back to Russia while they're fighting a war with the Ukraine. I mean, it's like, to me, when I think about it, it's like, you know, all of that, you know, and these surface-to-air missiles that you sold, those are no joke. Those can really stop a lot of, they can stop a lot of um, air power, which air power at the end of the day really dictates how a battlefield will be set. And, you know, if you have good air power, there's a good chance you could win the battle within this current current state of modern warfare etc so all that aside it's like you look at everything that he's done you look at you know how it's the party of anti-gun and now the guy literally sold 30,000 AKs. i mean this guy i mean he's a walking i mean he's just like the movie so for me when i look at this you know it's i just really want to inform about different levels of it because from a political standpoint from a policy standpoint when i look at this it looks to me like optics and you know, obviously we're happy Brittany Grimes came home, but it's been, it's at a cost. I mean, if you look at what's been released, you know, it really makes me think of what happened when we got Birdle, Birdall, um, for those four um, Al- Taliban leaders, you know, we exchanged Birdle, who was a runaway, and obviously he was dealing with some mental psychosis. And those individuals, they released like within two or three months were responsible for an attack. So, 
you look at this policy and it kind of goes back to the point why I prefaced what I was saying with foreign policy is you have to understand like sometimes within the United States, we have a four to eight year lens on foreign policy and that's dictated by who's going to be in office. If you look at these other countries like, you know, Russia or like China, you know, they don't necessarily have to worry about that. They do the long game, you know, and like this reminds me of whenever we, when Nixon went to China with Kissinger in order to get them out of China and all the stuff they had to do, the backdoor negotiations, how they had to go through India in order to get to China. And, you know, the real, the real reason for the, the conversation was to make sure that China did not go into Vietnam. Now, as a result of doing that, you know, all China wanted was this little thing. And you know what they wanted? They just wanted the United States to say, you know what? Taiwan is no longer a part of, it's not the capital of Beijing. And that's all they wanted to say. And they didn't have to go into Vietnam. Now, you look at that and how that is exacerbated over time and how if China invades Taiwan, we could potentially have a war, et cetera, because it's a democracy we sell them arms, and that is what I'm trying to highlight with this, is sometimes we will do something in the moment as a result of that four to eight year time period that potentially have issues down road for the American people. And I say that because of what we're dealing with, the, you know, it's, Thailand is just an example. So I just want to preface that. And now we're kind of dealing with this situation where we have um, Victor Boot, back out going to Russia, this arms dealsman, arms salesman, you know, and I think we could have gotten more for him. I think they, you know, in my, and this is my ultimate opinion, they wanted the optics. They want the picture. We'll see Brittany Grimer with her wife in the White House probably in the next day or two, standing by the president, vice president, and State Department, taking a picture, putting that online, you know, and I, in my ultimate opinion, this is exactly the reason why we withdrew from Afghanistan in September 11th, because we wanted the optics of saying that we did it. Not necessarily we, but I mean, I think the Biden administration is very well, very well, which all administrations are of how this is going to look on camera. And we saw today, you know, with the wife in office, you know, and it's kind of like, I'm going to leave you with the press room, with um, one of the press. So that's my two cents about it. And that is the good, the bad, and the ugly. In closing, I think, you know, I'm happy Brittany Grimer's home in time for Christmas. You know, I'm really happy for her family. I'm happy she's able to be back. I think that is great. And I never want to take that away. But I do want to really put it out there that foreign policy is a balancing act. Sometimes you have to be really mindful that you never want to go in too much into the hot or too much into the cold and you want to stay in the middle. We are currently facing the fact that, you know, there's other people within the United States who are in jail within Russia. And we don't know when they're going to get out. You know, we look at Paul Whelan, you know, you think about how he's going to be in a Russian prison detained for potentially being charged with something he didn't do in espionage. You think about Victor Boot, who's going to go home, who no telling how many millions of Americans, millions of people have been killed as a result of what he sells. He sells death. He has made the AK-47 the true weapon of mass destruction, all right? And his only response is, if I didn't do it, someone else would. 
He's going back to a Russia that's currently at war. You know, he's currently going back to a party where he has a lot of training. He has a lot of understanding. Even at 55, he's fully capable to still have impact. We don't know what the future is going to hold, but we do know that today, you know, something happened and we're looking at what happened. We're analyzing it and we're trying to understand the good, the bad, and the ugly. Thank you so much and we'll talk to you tomorrow.